You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 371. It's Dallas week. A little somber Dallas week after the Eagles. 42-19, to 19, I think it was. Beat down uh, at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers at home at Lincoln Financial Field. Big opportunity for them to bounce back this week against their most dangerous division rival. Only a game up on the Cowboys. They do have a head-to-head game in hand. But before we get to all that goodness, our preview of the Cowboys-Eagles matchup on Sunday night, picks, etc., etc. Brandon, where can I find the finest meat snacks in the land? Righteousfelon.com. Jimmy, you go to righteousfelon.com. You use discount code BGN15%. Sorry, BGN15 for 15% off your order of the finest meat snacks in the land. The Eagles should really adjust this week. Talk about, you know, halftime adjustments. Well, they need an adjustment from last week to this week where they're actually eating more of the righteous felon craft jerky to fuel them to victory like they were doing often earlier. They obviously didn't eat, eat enough righteous felon in advance of the 49ers game. Underreported story that the Eagles did not eat enough righteous felon craft jerky. Go to righteousfelon.com and you will be happy when you get that discount and you get that righteous felon delivered to you fast. Ships very fast, at least in my experience and my mom's experience when she gets it as well for my dad. So even during Christmas time. So like last year, I got a big basket of it for uh, my brother-in-law and it boom. boom. I mean, it, so I, I do a lot of Amazon shopping. So I get I'm a little snobby about the, the delivery times, how fast things get to me. And whenever I order something you know, from somewhere other than Amazon, um, prepared to like have to wait a long time. But man, it was there in like it was there in like two days, I think. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty that's pretty impressive. And you want it fast, especially this time of year, because you know, doing some gift wrapping and yeah. what, and uh, we got Hanukkah exactly. already going on. You know, so there's like you know, you you, you need it now. You can't be waiting around for your right to sell craft jerky. So right to sell discount code BGN fifteen for fifteen percent off your order. It makes a great holiday snack. So do it. Get it. All right. Where should we start, Brandon? Not to get so. Well, Jimmy, you were aggrieved, I think is the correct word, when uh, <laughs> the heinous crime that was committed outside the Novacare complex earlier this week, when two people showed up with a sign that said, run the ball, and became a very <laughs> divisive topic a lot of the beat writers in general were anti run the ball uh you know like got got a pass sentiment yeah Yeah. uh a lot of people were like 
well, you have to, no, they're right. You do have to run the ball. And it's like the, the kind of response to that is, well, Eagles weren't running the ball well. And the, the response to that response is, well, you can't do it well unless you keep doing it the whole game. You can't start running it ball well if you just give up on it. So, Jimmy, why don't you tell everyone <laughs> how dumb they are and why they're wrong? <laughs> I didn't know we were going to be talking about this until like a minute ago, uh, a couple minutes ago, actually. So uh, I don't have like a, a whole statement prepared here, but I'm actually a run the ball guy. If by all means, if you can go out and you can run it on your opponent, by all means, do that until it doesn't work. So, um, and so are the Eagles, by the way. So is Nick Sirianni. He, they are the fifth most run-heavy team in the NFL by run-pass ratio. Fifth? Um, they could be first. At, <laughs> uh, additionally, they... So uh, the, uh, another argument I heard in, you know, kind of debating this back and forth with, with people on Twitter was, well, they haven't run it a lot lately. Yes, they have. In the last three games prior to the 49ers game, they ran it more than... They, so they had more run plays than pass plays in all three of those games. And none of, none of those games, by the way, like the, the Eagles didn't lead in most of those. So we're here we're talking about the Cowboys game, which they did lead most of that game. The Chiefs game where they did not, and the Bills game where they did not. Like they had comebacks in both of those games, and they still ran it more than they passed it in those games. So the 49ers game comes around, and of course, um, they kicked the two field goals on the two opening possessions. They did run the ball. Uh, they did run the ball some on those first two drives. And then they, you know, they ran the ball some throughout the first half of that game. Um, once they got behind big, of course, they finished that game with 25 straight pass plays. Now, some of them turned into runs like on scrambles or whatever, but they called 25 straight pass plays to end that game. Um, with the exception of one Marcus Mariota brotherly shove. So why did they do that? Well, they're behind three scores. Like, of course, they're going to pass the ball on almost every play when you're behind three scores. You know, I, I, and that kind of reminded me of the, uh, you know, the, the 2010 big time comeback game uh, against the Giants when Deshaun Jackson had the punt return, of course. Well, they had to come from behind in by three scores in that game. You know how many times they ran it during that three score comeback, Brandon? That's right. He's putting one finger one. up one time. It was my, it was a Michael Vick uh, touchdown run. I think they were at the four yard line. I want to say. Um, so it's the only time they ran it. That's at when all he got in and he threw that. the ball at like the uh, you know the, <laughs> the, the wall side, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was their only run during that comeback. Um, but also, like their run when they did run it early in that game, it was totally ineffective. Like they had they they had five uh, designed runs in that game. You know how many of those worked based on down and distance, Brandon? Yes, in success rate, like zero. Yes, Z- correct, zero. Uh, their best run was a run of four. I forget if that was on. Oh, that was on second and ten. So, like that's that was their that was their long run of the game on design runs and and non brotherly shots too. Uh, was a four yard gain on second and ten. And on second and ten, if you're running the ball, you don't want it to be third and six. Like third and six is not better than second and ten. So. They had no success whatsoever, none on design runs, brotherly shoves aside. So at some point, you know, they're going to give up on the run, A, because it's not working, and B, because the game script calls for it because you're down three scores. So I don't know. 
these these guys show up with the sign at Novacare. Almost felt to me like they're like these guys just had this sign made up, ready, waiting to go for the first opportunity where the Eagles a lost a game and b didn't run it a lot. And sure enough, they show up in the Novacare with this sign. And to my like, I've thought that they were just going to be universally mocked. Like I honestly did. I couldn't I couldn't believe how many people agreed with the sentiment that they should have run the ball more in that game. Like they got their they got their asses kicked in that game, like just in so many different ways and in so many more egregious ways than the lack of running the football in that game. First and foremost, giving up six touchdowns on consecutive drives, which, by the way, um, you know, on your like where the where you, the thing where you just kind of scoffed at a minute ago. Well, you have to keep running it to have success mm-hmm. running it. Well, no, you don't. You can have success running it early in the game. It's not that like running the ball isn't isn't just like okay. Well, you got to run it a lot early, and you're gonna fail. But you do that so that you can run it well later. That's nonsense. Like you want to be able to run the ball effectively early. And, you know, of course you want to be able to run it late. And if you can wear an opposing defense down, then great. And certainly the Eagles did that at at times, you know, a lot. They did a lot in 2022. They did a lot at the end of 2021. This year we haven't seen as much of that. Although they did do it against the Buccaneers. If you already call it the end of that game, like Todd Bowles just stopped calling timeouts. At the end of that game because they just wanted the game to be over and they just let the Eagles run the clock out like they just completely demoralized that team. So, yeah, if you can if you can get teams tired and and, you know, not wanting to tackle against running plays anymore, then that's great. But in this game, the 49ers defense was getting tons of rest because their offense was just completely dominating the Eagles, the Eagles defense. So to me, like that game is not in any way a bitch about the run kind of game. So it was well they lost. I like I don't care. That's why it is. Any yeah, game they lose right. is they, a bitch about the run game. It's A lose and B you look at the stat sheet and there aren't a lot of runs there and the why didn't you run the football more is is going to come up every yeah, single time. People bring up the stat of like get- when they run the ball this many times they win and when they don't run the ball this many times they lose <laughs> as if that's um you know predictive and not as a We've result. been doing this for 40 years. We've been like 40 like my entire life. I'm 46. Like so in my entire life watching football I I just always constantly heard you got to run the ball, got to run the ball, got to run the ball. It's been a Philly thing forever. They do run the ball. They stop it. They run the ball almost more than any other team in the league. Stop it. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, wound up getting into a lot of heated debates Mm. on that on Twitter. I actually waste stupid. (laughs) I certainly don't think that. Um, And I value my readers and the listeners of this podcast of course, if they didn't, if you guys weren't, didn't exist, I wouldn't have a job. And if the, you know, the the thirst for uh, coverage of the Eagles um, didn't exist, then I would have never gotten a job in the first place. So I certainly, uh, and you know, in my interactions with most fans, like they aren't, you know, they know ball, <laughs> like they they know football, and I enjoy the the interactions that I have. But ju- I just. I'm done with the whole, like, it just seems like any opportunity that, that comes up where you can, you can scream, run the ball. There's a certain subsection of the fan base that just jumps all over that. And it's tired already. Like get over it. There are going to be games where they lose and they don't run the ball that much because the game script or it just doesn't work or whatever, any, any number of other reasons why they didn't run the ball. That makes sense. Just didn't happen. I've seen people say this as well. It's like, why isn't there a sign for tackle better? Because that was a big issue against the 49ers. They couldn't freaking tackle. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, they gave up touchdowns on six seconds on six consecutive right. possessions. You're, you do that, you're going to lose the game. Guess what? That's the, you're just going to lose the game if you if you give up six straight touchdowns. Um, not to yeah, not to say the offense was you know obviously not to blame. It was a factor for sure. The offense couldn't stay on the field enough, but um, yeah, even if the offense was operating at peak efficiency and running the ball great, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to totally just make the defense. Um, way better certainly it helps them a bit not being on the field as much but still they they couldn't do their part to get off the field also i think it's funny from a standpoint of and this is this is what it comes down to i think what you're saying and what a lot of people have frustration with is that if the sign said run the ball more which i think is what people like you're basically thinking it says you know run the ball more no wrong that's not the answer that's not the solution Anyone obviously agrees with run the ball better, run it more effect, run the ball effectively. That is the, that is the whole issue. That is the issue with the Eagles offense. And obviously now how you get to the point of doing it more effectively is also being debated in terms of people thinking you need to do it more to do it effectively, which is funny to me because let's say the Eagles start out passing the ball and it's not working. People are going to say, well, stop passing, run the ball. They're not going to say, well, you just need to keep with the pass. You just need, need to keep passing because then eventually <laughs> yeah. it'll get better. Well, how does that not apply? How does that logic not apply? You, you, if, you, if you pass the ball and it doesn't work, well, then you have to run the ball. And if the running ball, if you run the ball and it doesn't work, then you just have to run the ball more. You have to do the thing that you're not doing well more, and somehow that is going to be better. Like that is – it's hard to understand how that is the logical um, part of the argument. And like – yeah, I'm I'm it's tiring to me. I've seen some lines and articles and coverage that's like he was just abandoned the run. They get away from the run. Like just on the on the list of issues with this team, that is not one of the biggest issues. It's just not. The issue is that You mean getting away from the run or running the ball? Uh, getting away from the run. That's not the yeah, issue okay. with the team. Is that Cuz I actually do think an issue I th- I think they do have an issue running the ball. No, that I is, think they're not no, running that's, it. That's what I'm I think saying. That, yeah. that doing it effectively absolutely is the issue. And I think there's multiple reasons for that. Um, Like, uh, yeah, people want to blame Brian Johnson. I mean, it's not just that. I mean, he's Jeff Stoutland is the run game coordinator. He literally has that title. I think he's done that. And I'm not saying Jeff Stoutland sucks all of a sudden, but I think that's more of a place to start in terms of, like, who's to blame for this? And also, um, I don't even think it's just him in terms of design. I think the execution hasn't been there. They haven't been blocking well enough. I think you looked at... Some of those plays um, that you highlight, didn't you bring you you didn't you clip their runs on Twitter? You made, didn't you make a clip I, of- yeah. So I, I I yeah I I I cut up all ten of the there was one designed run with Hertz yeah. that was a non uh, brother that one wasn't in there that was then that was actually a loss of two, mm-hmm. but I clip I, I cut up clips of the nine running back runs and. Uh, Jordan, I'm sorry, uh, Jason Kelsey mm-hmm. missed a block that might have turned into a decent game. Um, A.J. Brown just had a horrendous mm-hmm. effort uh, block on one in the red zone. That was a that was a stretch play to, I don't know if a stretch play, but it was a, it was a play to the right. outside to the left <laughs> to Swift, mm-hmm. and he wound up you know getting pushed out of bounds. There was a third play in there, too, where uh, I forget what happened on it, but there was a third play where they, they, it, it might have been a better play if they had blocked it up better and they had the opportunity to block it up better and they just, Oh, uh, uh, OZ yeah. just didn't get a block at all on Diamador Lenore. And then he blew up, uh, that run play. So yeah, I mean, execution is part of it, but on those, on those 10 
designed run plays overall, they had 18 yards. So they're like, they're running it at a 1.8 yards per carry clip. And in many of their drives that failed, they ran on first down or on second down and kind of put them off schedule and they wound up punting on those drives. So yeah, you can establish the run early on, but you'll also be establishing the punt (laughs) sometimes if the run game isn't working. So, you know, I mean, again, a lot of different things to blame, but uh, to me, run the lack of running the ball was really freaking far down on the list. Jalen hurts his legs, obviously not being what everyone expected them to be. What they were last year is is a huge issue with the run game, but you know, you say that at the same time, well, and it's directly because he's not having as many explosive runs this year. So that direct effect hurts. Then the, you know, the trickle down effect of teams not respecting that and um, making the Eagles typical run game more easier to stop than it has been. But like, I get that, but Dylan Hurts isn't like, or I, I guess I'll phrase it. Every successful running game in the NFL doesn't have like a quarterback of Jalen Hurts mobile caliber. Like there's other running games out there that have success still. So like they have to figure that out. You can't just be like, well, Jalen Hurts' legs aren't what they normally are, so they just can't run the ball. Like that's not good enough. Yeah. Like you have to like figure it out. Fig- like adjust, figure it out. Do something different. Get Rashad Penny involved. I I hate that like I have that sounds so lame because he's been a healthy scratch and the coaching staff doesn't clearly trust him whatever and it's not going to happen. But like why not? Your running game is suffering. He was he was like what the best running back in the NFL last year for a certain stretch in terms of yards per carry at the end of the season or whatever. Like also led the NFL and I think uh, yards after contact per attempt. Like get him involved. Give him a, give it a shot. Um, Johnny Swift is a nice player, but as Johnny has talked about here, Johnny Page on uh on the on the Sh- the Shane Page podcast here and in his all twenty two breakdowns, he's not like a bell cow back. Like that's not the kind of running back he is. So just like just to have it all and Kenny Gainwell, can we just stop? Like that's that's no. He's one of the worst players <laughs> yeah. on offense. We don't need to get him more touches to fix the team. So um it's definitely an issue in terms of efficiency and effectiveness, and it would go a long way towards helping them, I think, if they could do it. But they're struggling to right now. And that doesn't take the burden off like it shouldn't be like, well, it's okay that the pass game is struggling. Um, they just need to run the ball better. You paid Jalen Hurts $51 million. Like, he has to deliver at some point. You can't just be like, well, it's it's the it's the offense's fault for not running. It's not Jalen Hurts' fault for not being an effective passer enough. No, it's like it's his fault for not doing what he should do and he's being paid to do. And where you've invested your resources in this team in terms of a great pass-blocking offensive line, they've clearly given Hurts a lot of time to throw. Uh, in the receivers you have on this team and a very in the, in the number 10 overall pick in Devonte Smith and the pick you traded and all the money you gave to AJ Brown um, and the money you gave to Dallas Goddard, like you have elite passing offenses or uh, options in this offense. Like you should reasonably be expected to be better in that regard. And it shouldn't just have to be on the run game. So um, yeah, there we go. Yeah, th- this offense is at its deadliest when they have that RPO game or the, R- the quote unquote RPR game going where i mean the the run game has suffered because they're not plus one in terms of um like the numbers game uh where an opposing you know edge rusher uh edge defender has to account for jalen hurts they're just not accounting as much for jalen hurts on those 
you know, mesh points between he and, and whatever running back is in the game. And they're more just kind of attacking the running back because they're not as afraid of him running because even if he does run and his legs are fine, like I thought he ran around fine in this 49ers game, but he's not really a threat anymore to run because whenever a defender gets anywhere near him, he slides. So, you know, whole, whole run through tacklers in key moments, like to get a first down, like in the second half when they need it on like, you know, third down, that kind of stuff. But he's just not doing that with regularity like he did earlier in his career. And you don't want him to do that, of course, because as you said, you just paid him $51 million a year. So that part of the run game is suffering. Then the second uh, aspect of that, so if they don't hand it off and then, you know, they, they throw a pass on these RPOs, then, okay, so there's that. If that's not open, then the third option for Hertz at that point is to run the ball. And they're not getting gains on the third aspect of that either. So it all, like, that's where they're at their deadliest. And then when you get that RPO or RPR game working or whatever, that sets up a lot of their shot plays down the field. So it's just kind of a trickle effect with Jalen Hurts's. The well, I, I guess he originally injured his knee in, when he took a shot against the Dolphins, and then uh, it worsened a little bit when he took a, a low hit. Was it Demarcus Lawrence in the uh, Cowboys game in Week Nine? So yeah, it was. Um, I think he, you know, he's looking better, but the Eagles want him on the field and they can't afford to have him get hurt because then they're screwed. Uh, not according to David Carr, of course, who uh, the Eagles offense be better with Marcus Mariota, uh, than Jalen hurts, of course, not to defend <laughs> they, David Carr, me... but, um, I think he, I think what happened there, if I may dissect that a little bit is that, or he could have had a more, I still a bad, obviously point. I don't agree with, but he had a, a more credible point if he focused on like he thought Jalen Hurts isn't healthy, so they they need to temporarily rest him because the offense is not effective enough and could be more effective with a backup who's actually healthy, which I don't agree with, and I don't think anyone agrees with. But he, the way he phrased it, was like that Jalen Hurts should just should be straight up benched for Marcus Mariota, which is just insane. <laughs> well, he said he couldn't read a defense either. Well, yeah, and that's, that's when you really right. get into that's, to. And, and he's not showing his work on it either. Like if if you if you have like a if you're if you're a TV guy mm-hmm. and you're showing film where he's not seeing this, he's not seeing that, he's not seeing it. And, and more than one game, like you, you got to show a lot of different things to make the point that he's you know that he can't read a defense or whatever. But just say it as a blanket statement. Screw you, man. That is like that is garbage analysis. And uh, you know, Shield Kapadia had a had a good. Yeah. Um, had a good take on that. Right. Uh, I retweeted it. If, if you want to check out my timeline, it's probably a little higher up on, on mine. Than, than she, I don't, maybe maybe it is on Shields. I don't know, but check that out. She'll, uh, with an evisceration uh, of of David Carr on that. But anyway, getting back to the point, like those RPRs are crucial to the Eagles' offense as a whole because uh, so many things feed off of that, and they're just not working right now. Um, and, and the reason why is because, you know, Jalen Hurts just kind of hasn't been – I don't know if it's that that he can't be the same as he was as a runner, but I think he, they need to get defenses to respect that uh, once again. But at the same time, it has to work. Like you can't just stick with it for the entirety of the game and keep punting and punting and punting because you're going to lose games that way. So there's got to be a balance of fixing the run game, but also having a potent offense and putting points on the board so that you can beat these really good teams during this difficult stretch. All right. 
Well, the other Eagles newsy thing besides the run the ball sign was that Christian Ellis was waived by the Eagles to make room for the Shaq Leonard signing. He has since been claimed by the Patriots, who had the number two priority in the draft order at the time of them claiming him. And also, I think I saw like six other teams claimed him as well. So there was there was interest. <laughs> six total. Six total put a waiver claim okay. on it. it was, that, was, that is crazy to me. It's not crazy from a standpoint of Eagles are a good team. So if they yeah. got a player, teams especially who are bad and their season's kind of overish anyway, it's like, well, why, why not? Let's, why not take right, a shot? Right, right. Uh, uh, I guess this time of year, yeah. Because, right. you know, maybe he could. And also... He was the Eagles' leading player, or sorry, in, in terms of playing time. He Christian Ellis has played the most special team snaps of any Eagles player this mm-hmm. year on a special teams unit that ranks second in DVOA on a good special teams unit. So you also look at that and you're like, oh, why not? He, and also, last year when the Eagles' special teams unit was struggling for most of the season and they kind of started to turn it around a little bit uh, late in the year, Christian Ellis was part of that. They he was on the practice squad. That was like the adjustment they made on special teams because it was like special teams units bad. Something has to change. So what they did is they called up Christian Ellis from the practice squad and then their special teams unit started to play a little bit better. So um, I don't think it's insane. I think it is a little weird that the Eagles like started him and played him a ton and he wasn't even the worst linebacker from that 49ers game. And he's, no, not by a long shot. And he's gone. He, he wasn't good, but no. he, you're right. Morrow was way was way worse. It is weird. It is weird that he has gone uh, to me a little bit. It's not in the standpoint of they clearly didn't trust him to play on defense. I was saying that because he had that role early in the season, and then like the coaches mm-hmm. took that away from him, and they really did not want him to be playing on defense if they could mm-hmm. help it. Um, but he didn't really have to. I'm guessing they would have preferred if he cleared waivers because then they could have used his three practice squad elevations and still had him for special teams, but um, they don't and he's gone. So farewell, Christian Ellis. Yeah. And I guess, uh, you know, part of their, part of the equation on that has to be that they like what they've seen from a progression standpoint of Ben Van Sumeren, who is a rookie undrafted free agent with crazy, like, you know, athletic measurables Ran a four four five uh, at Michigan State's pro day. Mm-hmm. I think he vertical jumped like forty something inches, which is crazy for a guy who's you know for a linebacker is you know two hundred and thirty whatever pounds. You know it's like not Micah Parsons territory, but it's you know not that far off. The scouting report on him coming out was he was more athlete than football player. Yeah, um, is the way that I saw that you know kind of that similar theme from a number of different scouting reports from him. Um, but he's got, you know, decent size and he's got extreme athletic traits and they've been developing him since he joined the team in May. So maybe they like what they've seen out of him so far. And he's, I would imagine that he'll take on a lot of the Christian Ellis responsibilities, uh, on special teams, but they are still kind of thin there. They have four linebackers in Morrow, Zach Cunningham, Zach, uh, Shaq Leonard, and now Van Sumeren. Mm -hmm. Shaq Leonard, we know, is injury. You know, he's got the injury issues. Zach Cunningham has a hamstring currently, like is limited in practice right now. And Nicholas Morrow. So, like, they're not that far off from having to have Ben Van Suveren play mm. in an actual game. And, you know, even even as you mentioned, like, they weren't, they, they clearly weren't comfortable having Ellis in, you know, real games in the regular defense. They can't be. They can't be any more uh, comfortable with Van Sumer and, you know, stepping into that kind of role as well. But, you know, this is like bottom of the roster stuff. And we do, you know, cover everything, of course, 
Um, maybe not that, maybe not the biggest deal in the world, but if it's me, I'm cu- I'm cutting Albert O right. or like Julio Jones or something yeah, like that. Julio might not even of... play this week. He's on the injury report. And what's he been, why is he here anyway? What's the role at this point? Especially if Goddard's going to be back. Yeah, it's, he's been. And Quez is back too. He... Like you don't need him anymore. Julio had the one touchdown. Great. And they, it was a play designed for him, which was interesting when they, when they called it and you know, and the team went nuts. Like they all ran into the end zone and celebrated those against the commanders. Yep. Right. And then, uh, you know, since then they've thrown some <laughs> bubble screens to him for God knows what reason. <laughs> and those plays have all failed. Um, but yeah, he, his snap count dipped mm-hmm. significantly with the return of Quez Watkins. And I mean, he's like the third receiver, first of all, isn't going to get that many targets anyway. Because most of the line share of them are going to go to AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. But now, among those number three wide receivers, of which they now have three in Quez, OZ, and Julio, Julio got the least amount of snaps uh, among those three guys. So he's like wide receiver five right now, behind, ahead of only Covey. Teams. Right, and Covey has, of course, um, a defined role on this team as one of the better punt returners in the league, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I agree with you. Um, all right. But Albert O is the easy choice for me. Goddard's back. You have Jack Stoll. You have Grant Calcaterra. I understand they want to keep four tight ends, but... You have Noe Tangiai on the practice squad. That's fine. What What is Albert O giving you? Like, he's... <laughs> they Jalen Hurts won't throw I was going to say, he's been getting he's open, open, but the quarterback doesn't trust him, clearly. And... And he did throw to him once, and he dropped it. So, like, and, uh, like, is that's only is, is that going to help Jalen Hurts' confidence in him? No. What's the point of having him on the team? At yeah, this he point? doesn't play special teams. Yeah, it's I. Yeah, it's fair. It's a fair point. Okay, um, why don't we go to break before we do? Because I think we missed it last time. What if I need to contact a realtor, Jimmy? What do I do? Oh yeah, uh, well, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, my man, eight five six. 906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. If you're looking to buy or sell your house, contact Kristen Roach. Voted on by God as the best realtor in the history of the universe, as you all know. Back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy, I guess the way I wanted to frame this, 
because the Eagles and Cowboys played not too, too long ago and back in week nine. Mm-hmm. Well, what's different, I guess, and what's the same from this last matchup? Hmm. That's a bigger picture question. Okay, so I think one thing that's different is off uh, defensively for the Eagles from the Eagles' perspective. CD Lamb was the only guy that was really uh, popping for them on offense. Uh, there was CD Lamb's numbers, and then I think all the other uh, wide receivers on the team combined, you know, were way behind him in terms of just statistical production. Um, more recently, they're starting to get a lot of production out of Brandon Cooks. I don't have his numbers in front of me the last four games, but he's ha- I think it's 20 catches for like 330-something yards and like three or four touchdowns. So he's been heating up. You have Jake Ferguson, who uh, has really become a good tight end for them and had a big game. Against the Eagles, what do you have? Not, uh, seven for 91, I think, and a touchdown uh, week nine against them. So there's there's Jake Ferguson. So now they have three guys, kind of like the Eagles. I think the Eagles trio of, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, tight end one is better than the Cowboys. But they have a legit one, two, three trio now in in uh, CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks and Jake Ferguson. So you can't just hone in on C.D. Lamb, which the Eagles didn't even do anyway. <laughs> like the last time around, they've, they they absolutely should have. But I thought their game plan for him sucked, frankly, if I'm just going to be blunt. They had Eli Ricks like manned up on him on like not just early in the game, but also like in like crucial situations, like high leverage situations. Had, you know, an undrafted rookie free agent manned up on him and I think they maybe overvalued the performance that Eli Ricks had against the Dolphins where he made like a couple plays and have kind of overvalued that for a while now like I don't against the 49ers man and I think we cut, touched on this during, during the last podcast late in the podcast but I was shocked that he only played five snaps in that game for the number of plays that he gave up but he was on CD Lamb quite a bit in that game and that cannot be the game plan this time around. Um, but also they can't just hone in on CD Lamb, which I thought they should have done the last time because these other guys are also performing. So yeah, they're they're a tough team to uh to defend right now. And Dak Prescott is absolutely killing it. He had a really like nightmare game week five uh against the 49ers when they got blown out by the 49ers, 42 to 10. Since then, he's played in seven games, 21 touchdowns, two interceptions. And he's become more of a threat as a runner, too, by the way. Like, he's been running the ball um, a lot more than he has the last couple of years after he suffered that kind of gruesome injury against the, the, the Giants a couple of years back. So that's been a part of his game more recently as well. This is a really, really hard offense to defend, and I think they're even better uh, than they were when the Eagles faced them in week nine. Well, chalk it down as a loss for the Eagles because that's really concerning. <laughs> I mean, seriously, all jokes aside, like, I don't, it's really, it seems like a really bad matchup for them, not only um, just on paper, but in the context of the Eagles being tired. They're tired. I keep going, I keep saying that, but it's true. They've played so many defensive snaps, and I think that was very clear in the 49ers game, too, that you just, they look like a, they had the juice at the beginning of the game strong start seems like that adrenaline wore off very quickly 
And I think you saw it manifest in some of the poor tackling and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. it just does not seem like a really good spot to be playing this team. I will say, I think having Bradley Roby over Eli Ricks is not insignificant. I don't think Roby has been great. Clearly that bad missed tackle on Brock Purdy last week. But I do think he is a more credible option, as I've said, than Eli Ricks is at this point in his career in the slot there. So I do think that helps a little bit. But I also look at the fact that some of the Eagles' success, in air quotes, success covering CD in the last game seemed to be when they had Darius Slay kind of. Right. They did adjust a little bit. And and Slay did a better job on him than the other guys. And I wouldn't say uh, I wouldn't say like shut him down or anything like that, but slowed him right. down. Slowed him down a little bit. Yeah. But now Darius Slay isn't even practicing this week. There seems to be, um, you know, yeah. a, a precaution there. And I think Darius, it looks like Darius Slay will play because they've been listing him with a rest slash knee designation on the injury report. But still, seems like he's a little bit less than 100%, and also wasn't exactly looking great in the 49ers game, especially in some high leverage spots there against Brandon Ayuk. So that's pretty concerning. Um, Yeah, that's all I've got. It doesn't look like... Also, I guess, well, the last thing I'll say is the Eagles pass rush, I think, specifically has been impacted by this heavy snap count. I just don't think they have the same level of juice that they typically do for that unit and that's incredibly important going up against the Cowboys offensive line that is playing at a very high level like that gets a lot of credit he should because he's playing well but I think the offensive line has been lights out for him yeah Josh Sweat and Hassan Raddick played over 60 snaps each against the Chiefs and then they each played over 80 (laughs) which is an insane number uh, against the Bills and actually I thought they played well early against the 49ers, the first two drives, yes. notably, like Colton McKivitz could not block Hassan Reddick early in that game. And then they got their offense going and just completely negated the Eagles pass rush. From the Cowboys offensive line perspective, one of the things I was really confident about when I wrote my dumpster fire article about them this offseason was that their offensive line was going to be a quote-unquote ticking time bomb because... Well, first of all, they have Tyron Smith, who gets hurt every single year. They have uh, uh, Tyler Smith, who is their left guard, would probably have to move out to left tackle, uh, where I don't think he's as good as he as he is on the interior. Uh, whenever the you know the sure to happen Tyron Smith injury was going to come, uh, Zach Martin's get getting up there in age, and then their right tackle Terrence Steele, you know, basically tore I think three different ligaments in his knee. In like November or early December last year, and somehow like started week one, which is kind of a miraculous cover recovery for him. But uh, they have somehow that entire offensive line has remained intact, and they're they have all their starters available uh, for this game as they did week nine. One thing I will say that's probably different from what we saw week nine to what we'll see week fourteen was that the Eagles absolutely destroyed. Terrence Steele in that game. Yeah. So if you remember, um, Hassan Reddick got him for a sack. BG got him for two sacks on the Cowboys' second to last drive. That we kind of thought, okay, that, well that that could be that could end it here, and then it didn't. <laughs> um, it should have. It should have, but it didn't. And then, of course, Josh Sweat had his, I won't call it game ceiling sack, but biggest play of the game in that game was the Josh Sweat sack. That also was against Terrence Steele. So Ter- Terrence Steele gave up four sacks in that game. Just a nightmare performance by him. It was the biggest reason they lost that game. Yep. They'd be insane not to give him 
help in this game. So I expect that to happen. The other thing that happened in that game was that I thought the Eagles interior defensive line got owned by Tyler Smith and by Zach Martin in that game. They got to play better in this game. They got to get some more wins uh, in in that in that matchup on the interior, on the, and I I, can I I'm confident they will. Yeah, yeah go can ahead. I stop down that for a sec? If I'm if we're yep. talking about things that are different in that, I think last time Jordan Davis was still like in that prime of dealing with the hamstring injury, so that was he was yeah. not at his best. That Jalen Carter was also coming off that Jets game or, or around that time when he had missed a game and he was kind of banged up a little bit too. Um, they're probably more tired again because all the snaps are playing, but they might be they potentially might be healthier than they were in that matchup. Yeah, they, I mean that that was one rare. So I, at that time, they had played a bunch of teams that had interior offensive line issues, and then the for, the Cowboys were the first like team that actually had a good interior offensive line. And they, I mean, they just did very little. I mean, the Eagles had five sacks in that game, but I thought it, it could have been a lot more because the edge guys were mostly winning. I thought uh, Tyron Smith uh, had a good game. But there were some wins against him. Like they, they were forcing Dak Prescott to step up in the pocket, but the interior rush just wasn't there. So Dak was stepping up and then finding receivers down the field as opposed to stepping up and finding a Jalen Carter in his face or a Fletcher Cox in his face or whatever, Milton Williams in his face. They just didn't get enough wins on the interior. So they have to do a better job uh, winning on the interior in this game if they want to win this game. I agree with that. I, I expected her. Carter to have like a big game last time and kind of announce himself and I think he wasn't mm-hmm. quite I don't think he had a bad game but I don't think he was quite it's kind of been again a little bit quiet for him not entirely but uh would like to see that kind of like superstar effort come through in this game I mean he's still you know having an amazing season in terms of you know advanced metrics and whatnot and context for being a rookie um I did think one thing that was interesting that Bradley Roby uh, said via the Inquirer this week. Obviously, he didn't play in the first game, but you know, um, the Inquirer was talking to him, and uh, and Kevin Byard had also commented on this as well. He said they both said they, the Eagles they felt like the Eagles did a really good job of taking away you know initial things with the Cowboys, but kind of mm-hmm. like he just talked about there in terms of Dak being able to step up the second read a lot of the or the second like movement stuff like as soon as the initial play broke down and Dak was able to make plays after that and guys were able to uncover and get open. So some of the more like freestyling stuff basically um, seems to be like a bigger point of emphasis for the defense this time and, and adjusting to that and, you know, not just being like, well, we won our initial, uh, we we (laughs) took him off their initial route. So the play is over. It's like, no, um, Dak is extending the play and making plays there outside of the structure of the offense. So that does seem to be um, a big focus this time around. Of course, that's easier said than done and not even just um you talked about like deck stepping up and stuff too he also i thought had some key like runs in that game like he, and he did have a key run i believe on third down to, or second down to get it to like third or third and short fourth and short um so containing his legs given that he is running a little bit more is another thing that is stressing the defense and they're gonna have to deal with the other thing i'll say just on the other side of the ball in terms of What's, I don't know, maybe not necessarily different, but um, Dallas Goddard's back. He played in that game. Obviously, it's the game he got hurt uh, when Marquise Bell broke his wrist. Um, But, man, they missed him. (laughs) Very clearly, they have missed him over the last uh, three games against the uh, Chiefs, Bills, and 49ers 
in a way that they didn't miss him as much last year because they played worse teams and blew you know blew a bunch of bad teams out when he was out. But against these really good teams, they have really missed Dallas Goddard. So he'll be back. That'll be a, a big boost to the offense, I think. And then this has to be a big bounce back game for for Jalen Hurts, who I thought had a bad game uh, against the 49ers. I mean, obviously he had a bad game against the 49ers. The stats were fine. He had one touchdown, no interceptions, 298 passing yards, which all looks fine on paper or whatever, a couple rushing touch or one rushing touchdown. Um, all looks fine on paper, but he just wasn't seeing the field very well. Left a lot of meat on the bone. There were open receivers that he either didn't see or didn't trust uh, going their way. And he's got to be better. He, he, he just flat out has to be better in this game. I thought the uh, comments from Nick Bosa were kind of funny. <laughs> like He's like, we gave the Cowboys the blueprint mm-hmm. on how to – uh, stop Jalen Hurts where we weren't allowing him to run through the B gap and we made him like escape to the outside, blah, blah, blah. He, you know, he see, he's looking at the rush when it's coming at him. Uh, you know, it was kind of similar to like the David Carr comments in a little in a kind of a way where he's kind of alluding to the idea that like he uh, can't read a defense or whatever. What I made of his comments were he wanted to stress that, it was sort of like a mush rush because I think he wanted to, in a way, give an excuse for getting, getting owned. owned by Lane Johnson for four quarters mm. uh, in that game. One good rush where Lane recovered and uh, still blocked him up anyway. But he got owned. I mean, he, he got flat out. Yeah. One thing that, like, like we mentioned in the last podcast, there's one thing the Eagles can feel, Eagles fans can feel happy about in that game was Lane Johnson just destroyed Nick Bosa in that game. So I think that's what those comments were all about. Like he was just kind of trying to say, no, I didn't get owned in that game. I'm not owned. Uh, it was the, <laughs> I'm not owned. It's the mush rush that uh, maybe not win any matchups against Lane Johnson in that game. Cause it doesn't make any sense. Like Jalen Hurts doesn't like to run through the B gaps when he's pressured. He likes running to the outside, uh, to the perimeter, like from like around the tackles or whatever to, to extend plays and make plays. Something. It just doesn't make any sense what, what he said. Uh, but the point being here is he had a bad game and like, he's got, he's got to come back and maybe the, the Cowboys will show some of those looks uh, against him since they were successful uh, in that 49ers game, but it's nothing new. They've seen that plenty before in the past. Uh, Jalen Hurts seen a lot of those I mean, early in the season this year. He saw a lot of those looks and, you know, struggled a little bit against them, but got better. And then, you know, opposing defenses started moving away from it a little bit. Maybe that game kind of serves, uh, as a reminder that some teams are going to show that. I don't think they've seen a lot of that lately. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's got to bounce back from from that performance, uh, obviously, and and in a big way, in my opinion, or, or they're not going to win this game. I liked what you said about, you know, the box score looks fine. I've been saying that, I think, since really the 2021 season. When Hurt struggles, it's not in this way, typically. I think that is super obvious. Obviously, he's had some games in there. He's had some like really bad turnover issues. Those are more so few and far between. But when he has a bad game, um, like he did against the 49ers, it doesn't manifest in, oh, he was throwing picks right and left as much as the opportunity cost of it. Like there was just so many plays. Like you said, he left meat on the bone. There are plays that were there to be made and he just didn't make them. And that doesn't that doesn't show up directly in the box score, but you can see yeah. it when you're watching and there's like a throw to be made and he's not pulling it down. And maybe he completes a pass on that play for like a four yard gain, but it could have been a 20 yard gain. And that's a big mm-hmm. deal. Or maybe he throws the ball thin completion. He throws it away when it could have been a touchdown pass. So yeah, it's the opportunity cost. And 
Um, I'm not really like worried about him still. I don't think I've been worried about him at any point this season. I still have confidence he can play better than he has been. I worry about the running that that I do because again, that's just down the explosive runs, Mm -hmm. especially. I do think though when the games matter more, like once you get into the playoffs, you're not saving it anymore. Like go all out. You know, you're not you're not trying to save it for this is the playoffs. Like it's do or die. You have to win the game. So don't you're not saving it at that point. You're going you should be going all out even at the risk of getting hurt or whatever because you have to win. So I do think that'll be a bigger uh, factor later on. Anything else? from this matchup you want to cover here? No, I think that about does it. Um, we know this team uh, extremely well, I think, as uh, Eagles media folks and fans. Um, they're good. Like <laughs> It's a very good team, and it's a tough challenge. Uh, and, you know, probably should note, I guess, you know, in, in the last game against the 49ers, they had to play a team that was on 10 days rest, and they're going to do the same thing here uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. They're we, they're, you know, the Eagles being weary, you know, a, a tired, weary team at this point, uh, as is well documented by now, and they'll face another really fresh opponent, you know, coming off that extra third straight from, opponent you know, that has a rest advantage over them. Yeah, in the midst of a six game stretch that I believe is like <laughs> harder than any other six game stretch for any other team in NFL history in terms of like strength of opponent or schedule or whatever. Is that right? I, I'd seen something about that. I feel like from I feel like okay. even before the stretch, ESPN had put something out about that. Um, okay, and even if it's not literally, it is one of it has to be or it is a very tough at the very least. It is a very incredibly tough stretch. Which it's certainly the big the toughest stretch that any team has had to face this season. Sure. Without question. And like there's a probably a huge gap between that and whatever team is next. And also like toughest one in Eagles history. And for at least yeah. in, when do you <laughs> yes. can anyone recall a tougher stretch than this in at least recent history, if ever? So and that is it's funny about the stretch too, by the way. Like before the season began when the schedule came out, we're like, Oh man, that's brutal. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like maybe it's not as bad as you thought it might be. Like I remember they played the Packers late in the year, one year when last year, right? Mm-hmm. When we thought, okay, well, that's going to be a really tough game. Nope, no Aaron Rodgers, no this guy, no that guy. Wound up being a pretty easy game. That didn't happen <laughs> during this stretch. Like there wasn't a surprise team. The Bills, I guess, were six and six, so the record wasn't as good as anticipated. But they're still very much a very good mm-hmm. team uh, as as we all anticipated. So yeah, I mean, there there was no surprise. Like oh, this game wasn't as hard as we thought it was going to be. Uh, they, they they faced all these opponents that were playing. You know, they're, they're all playing at a at a reasonably high level and staying healthy too. No major like quarterback yes. injuries or anything. Okay, well before we take a break, I want to tell you about Wrong Crowd Beer Company. Jimmy and I had a great time seeing all of you at Wrong Crowd Beer Company in Westchester last week. It's a great time, uh, and also shout out to our guy Dan for hooking us up with some beers to take home. I am enjoying the strawberry milkshake IPA. I don't know if you had that, Jimmy, or I did not. No, it sounds good. Uh, I brought. I had the booster bub yes. there, and I brought some of that home. And actually, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors drank a bunch of it already, nice. <laughs> and I haven't had any yet. So uh, I got to get on that before they're all gone. <laughs> um, well, you can always stack up by going to <laughs> wrongcrowdbeer.com or going to the. Yeah. Um, actual location in Westchester, PA. Um, It's great. We love Wrong Crowd Beer Company. I actually was having some during the live NFC East mixtape episode I did with RJ Ochoa on Thursday night, which you can check out on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed or on the BGN YouTube channel. 
um, where we have the replay available for you. We did a lot of Q&A with listeners who were able to make it. So that was fun. That was a good time. Um, and uh, yeah, Wrong Crowd Beer. Get it today if you're 21 or older. Jimmy. Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, where in addition to Right to Sell and Craft Jerky and Wrong Crowd Beer Company and Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, we're also brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. So that's right. Throughout this season, we will be cooking up our own parlay that our good friends at DraftKings will put right on their homepage for all of you. The loyal BGN radio listeners and BGN readers and phillyvoice.com readers who definitely love me a lot to follow. Uh, this week, the Eagles BGN same game parlay is I'm breaking this out for the first time, I think, since week two of last year, the 2022 season. I'm going with the um, what's it, emotional hedge same game parlay. Mm-hmm where instead of picking like positive Eagles things, I'm picking positive Cowboys things. So that way, in case the Cowboys do have their way with the Eagles in this game, you at least make some money potentially out of it. Call that cowardice if you will. I call it being smart and making money. So here's my same game parlay, Jimmy. Cowboys minus three and a half. It's actually my lock of the week this week for the SB Nation mm. NFL show. Really? Yeah. CD Lamb, anytime touchdown. And then Dak over okay. two and a half passing touchdowns. If all three of those things hit, the odds for that are plus three forty. So let's say you put down ten bucks, you would win thirty. You'd profit thirty four dollars. So decide if that's worth it for you. Um, <laughs> so just to recap, Eagles fans, <laughs> Brandon is taking the Cowboys minus three and a half. Yeah, he's taking Ceedee Lamb to have what was that again? Uh, anytime touchdown. Okay, CD Lamb score a touchdown, and Dak Prescott to throw at least three touchdowns over two and a half. Yes, yeah. Well, if CD gets one, then that's already one of the <laughs> that's already one of the three. No, I'm just saying it's funny that you got that you love the Cowboys so much. Evidently, well, it's just a reverse hedge. If it doesn't hit, and then whatever, uh, and then you're happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there you go. Um, 
gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit <laughs> www.1800gambler.net in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-47 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gambling resources. Okay, now it is time for our picks against the spread. No commanders game this week. They're on by. And I also included right, the 49ers in here because that's obviously that's relevant. I was going to suggest that. I uh, like that well, we're on the same page I'm already there. one step ahead of you, Jimmy. Like normal. What's new? <laughs> okay, let's start with really quickly. We don't have to get into the analysis of this game. But I just wanted to do a little Saints check-in because the Eagles have sure. their second-round pick this year. And that's kind of relevant here. It was a nice... For as bad as the Eagles losing to the 49ers was, the Eagles kind of got a nice little development with the Falcons beating the Jets and the Saints losing to the Lions in terms of the Eagles getting the... Yeah, it would have been prefer- preferable if the Lions nope. lost nope. to the Saints, in my nope. opinion. Really? Draft pick, baby. Draft pick, all that matters. Really? All that matters. Yeah. You got to get that second nah, round pick. The, the, the Lions are still in the hunt no. for the one seed. No. Unserious team. And they're playing the Cowboys. Okay, maybe, but they don't play. They're playing the Cowboys. Uh, they've won. They've won hard team left. Yes. So. And then otherwise. Oh, okay. So. But if they if they if they manage to win that game though, then they're in good position to get the one seed. No. Okay. Panthers <laughs> at Saints. I think we're both taking the Saints to winning cover, right? I actually did have the Saints as one of my picks to to cover this week. Real quick, just on the uh, NFC South point. So, unpredictable has the odds of, um, you know, each each of those three teams, Falcons, Buccaneers, Saints, to win that division. And right now, as you mentioned, because the Falcons had a had a had a big jump uh week thirteen. They're fifty nine percent. The Buccaneers are twenty two percent. And the Saints third among those teams at eighteen percent. So if they lose this game to the Panthers, they're done. I mean forget it. And if they and if they don't make the playoffs, by the way, if they don't win the NFC uh South, they still could get in as a wild card. Um, that's probably unlikely, but it's possible. Uh, cause there are like, a, I think, a there are a couple six and six teams in there, right? Yeah. But the Packers the Saints, beat them, didn't they? So the Packers have a tiebreaker. Yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is they're not like, they're not that far out. Even if it's, even if it's, you know, down a game plus losing tiebreakers, they could still in theory win the, win a wild card, but they would also need the Falcons to do well enough that they finish behind them in the division. Anyway, uh, not to get too deep in the weeds here. They also still if they play don't the make Rams, the playoffs at all, so that would be a big one for the tiebreaker too. If they don't win, if they don't get in the playoffs at all, they'll it'll be a top eighteen pick in the second round, meaning it'll be a top fifty pick overall. So you know, having an extra top fifty pick, pretty good as the as the third <laughs> as the third leg of the uh, of the bounty that the Eagles got for. Traded not that much away. <laughs> like they got a lot for not a little, or they got a lot for really not a lot uh, in that. It's an insane trade that the Saints yeah. made, uh, you know, before that draft last year. They also lost to the Vikings. So they have some tiebreakers going against them too, even if they do get in that wild card territory, which is good news for the Eagles. Uh, it would be amazing. Panthers, well, in a way, they found a way to win. You know, you want the Panthers to stay ahead of the Giants and the Commanders in the draft order. I know they don't have their pick. It's owed to Chicago, but still. But in any case, obviously, you know what though? Like, even if they even if they get in the playoffs, 
first of all, if they beat whoever they have to, the Saints, I'm talking mm-hmm. about, like if they win the division and they beat whoever, which would probably be the Cowboys, yeah, that's, not that's a great result. Yeah, but like, <laughs> that's not That's happening. a great result. And if they do lose, they're, they'll be the 19th pick in the second round. You so that's not high as I can, baby. I'm, I'm all about <laughs> that's that's still not a bad result anyway to have the, like the 19th pick in the second round I, yeah i get you but you know i you still want them to lose okay seahawks at 49ers i'm i think the i thought like everyone's like oh gino was great in that seahawks game i mean he was up to a point and he he sucked at the end he, he gave the game away the difference in quarterback was absolutely the difference at the end of that game in the seahawks cowboys game and Gino absolutely wilted. He had some makeable throws that he just missed. And the fourth down on the final play of the game is just great. Cool. Just hold on to the ball. Yeah, take a sack on the fourth down. Definitely don't at least just try to throw it. Um, that's not entirely his fault. But the point is that Gino stunk at the end of that game. And I'm giving... It's a weird play. It was a, it was a screen. And he probably should have faded. He probably should have kept fading back mm-hmm. to give his... Because the running back got bumped off course. By a, it was actually a bad rush mm-hmm. by the Cowboys. Somebody should have peeled off on that, but they went after the quarterback, and the, the running back wound up getting bumped and it might have even fallen down. But the running back was more to blame on that play than the quarterback than Geno. But Geno still could have done something oh, more than you said. You have to throw it. Yeah, yeah. Like if, you can't just get sacked in that situation. It doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. You can't hold on to the ball. Yeah. <laughs> he stunk at yeah. the end of that game. He absolutely did. Like. A better quarterback goes out and seizes that game. He couldn't do it. So I'm giving Gino and the Seahawks no benefit of the doubt here. I still, I think that was like their last ditch effort. That was the best they could have possibly played, and it still wasn't even good enough to win. Right. I don't think they're going to have it against the 49ers. 49ers are obviously just rolling. So I will take the 49ers minus 11. Yeah, I mean, they played, they played three times last year, the Seahawks and 49ers, because they faced each other in the playoffs, and they played already once this mm-hmm. year. And in those four games, the 49ers have outscored them 120 to 56. Mm-hmm. So they've more than doubled them up. And, I mean, the 49ers just have this team's number. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll take the 49ers, too. I'll lay whatever whatever it was. I have 10 Minus and a half. 11. What did you have, 11? <laughs> yeah, fine. I'll lay the 11. Packers are six-and-a-half-point favorites at the Giants on Monday Night Football. Would be great to see the Giants win in terms of ruining their draft positioning. And also kind of like maybe, depending on how you think about it, in terms of where the Eagles get their seating, I don't think you want to play the Packers. Like, that's a team that's kind of a little mm-hmm. a little dangerous, I think, as far as, you know, wildcard teams go. Like, you'd much rather play the Vikings or the Rams. Yeah. In the event the Eagles wind up with the one seed, I think that's a team that you want in the playoffs because they could potentially upset uh, a team like the 49ers yes. or Cowboys and knock them out earlier than, than, you know, than you'd hope yes. or the, than, you know, they would hope. And they, they would like, that's a, that's the kind of opponent you do want in the divisional round, mm-hmm. not in the wild card round, as you said, mm-hmm. but if the Eagles don't get the one seed, then you don't, like, I agree yeah. that that's a team that you don't want to have to see. So, um, but I will say, I mean, the Packers are going to win. I'm going to take the Packers to win in cover. Jordan loves playing at a high level. Giants still stink. Here's the remaining quarterbacks they have to face, by the way. They have five games left. Tommy Cutlets from the Giants. Tommy DeVito. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Bryce Young. 
Josh Dobbs, unless they make a change, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Vikings at some point, and then Justin Fields. I've been saying so. this, baby. I've been even back <laughs> when the Packers had like not exactly a murderer's row there, losing record. I was like, they're gonna, they're gonna. I said the Seahawks are gonna fall out of the playoffs, and the Packers are gonna make it. And maybe the Seahawks won't because I don't know the Vikings bite instead or whoever. But point being, Packers surge was inevitable because they had a really easy schedule, and now on top of that, Jordan Love is actually playing like very well. But they had, th- so their last three wins, I've mentioned these bad quarterbacks, but the last three games they played, they beat Justin Herbert, Jared Goff, and Patrick Mahomes. So it's not like they can't beat good quarterbacks, but now they have a really easy stretch coming And two out. of those were on the road. They beat, they beat, they beat um, the Lions in Detroit. Well, right, the Lions, beat the, Thanksgiving, yeah. Well, no, sorry, they beat Mahomes in, uh, at Lambeau. But still, I mean, beating Mahomes is that. And they beat the Lions in Detroit. So that was a really, like, mm-hmm. and again, Love, just, I thought he was playing great. Like, some of those passes, I was like, oh my gosh, like, like who is this this is this is jordan love <laughs> yeah um yeah so yeah we both have the packers winning right and covering he kind of like a lot of his motions look a little bit like aaron Rodgers, actually mm. like the, just the way he kind of flicks it and the way he can kind of change his arm angle and that kind of thing um so i don't know if like he, t- he kind of like picked up some of those traits playing behind him but um there, he has some of those same kind of quirks to his game that rogers did which brings us to Eagles Cowboys. I already gave you my pick in terms of, <laughs> and here's yeah. what. I, but here's what I want to say about it, though. I don't think, I, I think a lot of people are going to overreact to a, a potentially a significant loss here, and I don't blame. It's not like the Eagles should be above criticism. You just lost back to back games to the Forty ers Cowboys. That's really bad. I said going into this gauntlet, you really need like a win at least over one of those two teams, but. At the same time, going into the gauntlet, a lot of people, you know, we talked about this before, we're like four and two, three and three, kind of looking around there. And I think it's still entirely possible that the Eagles lose back-to-back games and then beat the Seahawks in Seattle. And then all of a sudden, you are four Mm -hmm. and two in that stretch. Right. And I also think, and I've said this many a time, but I will repeat myself here, including on the mixtape episode from uh, the second one we did this week. People, like when you you do the win-loss game, in May or whenever the schedule comes out. And even when you have the Eagles going 14 and three, let's say no one properly accounts for how bad they are going to feel after each one of those losses. And this week is a reminder (laughs) of that (laughs) Yes, because the Eagles have been the best team in the NFL still since the beginning of the 2022 season. And the discourse this week is they're not running the ball enough or this coordinator sucks. So this person should be fired or Howie Roseman, who I've certainly never been shy to criticize is not investing in linebackers enough. And some of those criticisms are true. I'm not saying they're all false, but it's just like the way the team gets talked about after a loss. It's like, they're never going to win again. (laughs) They're they're just, they're doomed. The season's (laughs) over. They're frauds. They were never good to begin with Um, because you know, you lack the perspective. And I'm not saying all that's unfair, but I just do think people get so lost in that. And I think that's going to continue to happen when they lose to the Cowboys in this spot. And I think it's just a really tough spot for them. That's that's why I'm picking against the Eagles here. It's not that I don't believe in them. I think it's just they're in a it's a really bad matchup, even if they weren't tired. And I think they're tired. And I think that's okay. The 49ers had a three-game losing streak. And then they they bounced back from it. Obviously, there were some things that went into that in terms of injuries and everything. But my point is like teams can have a bad stretch, and that doesn't disqualify. Mm-hmm their whole season. It means they're awful and they have no shot in the playoffs. I think the Eagles are in a, a bit of a rough stretch here. Again, third straight week, utter rest, rest disadvantage. That's a significant thing. And they're playing all these tough teams each week. 
and that has to be hard to like go against them and the toll that takes not only not only are you playing a ton of snaps you're playing a ton of snaps against like really good players so it's like especially tiring (laughs) not only physically but i'm sure mentally as well like it's just a lot i think it's a lot for any team to handle and i don't think it means the eagles suck just because they can't win in the spot it's very challenging they haven't won in dallas since 2017 they haven't swept the cowboys since 2011 like it's very this is a very tough spot for them it's not as simple as just like they should be able to win this game they're underdogs they're more than standard underdogs they're three and a half point dogs in this game cowboys are playing good football coming off extra rest i just i think the cowboys are going to win this game and i don't think it means the eagles are frauds or they're even worse than the cowboys i just think they have the better spot in this matchup and i expect the eagles are going to bounce back a little bit after this i think people are going to overreact to these two losses and write the eagles off and say they suck and then i think the eagles are going to win some people back a little bit with some of these games down the stretch where they start to win but then at the same time people are going to be like well they're only beating bad teams or they're only blowing up bad teams. <laughs> right For, uh, forgetting that they beat the chiefs bills and, and dolphins and cowboys or uh, yeah so they won't but I, i'm with you that that, that is going to happen so they won't yes. get a lot of credit for that but then they'll go into the playoffs and we'll see what happens from there. But I think that's what it's all about to me at this point. I don't really care what they do a ton. Like, obviously, it's get to the playoffs. Get to the playoffs. Obviously, you're trying to get the one seed. But get to the playoffs as long as you don't totally blow it down here, down the stretch, which if they do that and they're losing to the Giants and Cardinals, then, yeah, that's a different conversation we can have. But I think as long as they take care of business down the stretch, um, I don't think it really matters a ton. Obviously, you'd love to win. It'd be great if the Eagles did in this Cowboys game, but I don't think it is. And I am kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth in terms of I thought it would be (laughs) like early in the week. I was saying how this team responds to the 49ers game will be telling to me. And I do think they should be expected to be reasonably more competitive than they were last week. But if they aren't and it looks like they're just gassed and tired, then I kind of I don't excuse it, but I understand it. I understand it from that's where the team is right now. And it doesn't mean it's where the team will be the rest of the season. So uh, I'm taking the Cowboys to winning cover. I think the argument for the Eagles winning this game is that they have a very veteran uh, locker room with a lot of pride, smart, prideful players, good, great leadership. And they're going to play better in this game than they did against the 49ers. I don't think there's any question. I mean, they can't play much worse. So, like, it's a pretty low bar. But uh, but I think they're really going to come out and, and and play well in this game. Like you, I'm picking the Cowboys. Because ultimately, I just can't get past how well the Cowboys are playing offensively in their passing game right now. And how poorly the Eagles are playing in their pass defense. I mentioned earlier, you know, Dak Prescott is 21 and, you know, 21 touchdowns, two interceptions his last seven games. Well, you know, since the Eagles, um, the Eagles' last really good performance against against the pass was against the Dolphins. That's a while ago. Like that, what was that? Week six, seven, week, week seven. seven. So since then, they've played five games: Commanders, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, Forty Niners. They've, you know, they've allowed fifteen touchdowns versus three interceptions. They're just not making plays mm-hmm. on the back end. We, you know, we got into detail on how they had. Uh, you know, you and I debated whether Reed Blankenship had one or not, but either zero or one pass breakups by their by their back seven in that game. They only have six interceptions on the season. You know how many teams have less than that? Fewer than Five. that? One. Mm. One team wow. 
has fewer than six interceptions this season. So not only are they playing poorly, both in terms of tackling and leaving guys open, but they're also kind of harmless. They're not making opposing teams pay for mistakes that they make uh, down the field with, you know, via turnover. So um, Dak Prescott's done a really good job not turning the ball over this year. He led the interceptions in, in he led the, the league in interceptions a year ago, has that fixed so far this year. Um, and the Eagles just, you know, A, aren't getting stops and B, aren't creating uh, turnovers when, you know, opposing quarterbacks make, make, make mistakes. So for me, it's really hard to just get over that one lopsided matchup in the Cowboys favor. Reed Blankenship, uh, leader in votes, Pro Bowl votes. How about my, I, could it happen? My Reed Blankenship Pro Bowl prediction from before the season <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that's crazy that he's leading the league. In, I, I, I like Reed Blankenship. He's a good player, but come on. Okay. Nope. There's no, like, there are way better safety. Totally deserves it. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's, it made me laugh when you said the interception stat. So, Nick Sirianni, like, somebody had, somebody mentioned during a question to him today, who we're, we're recording this on Friday, by the way. Uh, they they said they mentioned that Reed was leading the league in leading safeties and Pro Bowl votes, and he goes, "He is <laughs> good for him." <laughs> but he was he was taking it. He didn't. He had no idea. But he was kind of taken aback by that he was leading the the, the league in, in votes. And I think he beat. You know, it was a moment where he didn't mean to like <laughs> to to uh, be surprised mm-hmm. by that. But that was just his. You know, that was just his natural reaction to to hearing that. Um. I, I laughed at the interception stat because the Eagles have two top 15 cornerbacks in terms of average annual salary. And they can't, they rank second to last in interceptions. Great. Great. Well, there, there are, to be fair, there are like, there are a lot of teams that have exactly six. So okay. there's some, there are a bunch of teams that yeah, are tied still, with them. My point is you're, you're but still, elite, there's only one team that has fewer, yeah, like top money <laughs> cornerbacks. I and mean, like, you can't get interception production. Like, cool. Great. Um, yeah. I mean, I I just it's really tough to envision for me, and it doesn't. I I just I think a lot of people are looking at it as, or I'm trying to separate myself is because the Eagles just suck now and they're not good and they possibly can't win. It's not what I'm saying, and again, I'm not losing faith in them long term. I just I don't have it's not even a lack of faith in them right now. I just think it's a, a terrible spot for them to be in. It's a horrible spot, and if they win, then you know shame on me, shame on us. And I think it's I think. The Cowboys have much more to lose here in terms of like they should win this. They should win. The Cowboys should win this game. And if they don't, I think it's a really embarrassing bad look for them. And it only further perpetuates the talking point for them that they can't beat a team uh, over 500 because they haven't all year. Seahawks is the closest they've come to and they're six and six right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And if they can't beat the Eagles, then I think like I think they have more to lose. I think some people would say the Eagles have more to lose in terms of, you know, the one seed and whatever and the narrative of their frauds. But I actually think the Cowboys have more to lose in this game because I think they should be expected to win. So, Well, if they don't, they're not winning the division. Like, if the Eagles win this game, they're going to win the division. Exactly. Very, pretty they clearly. can also get the one seed if they lose this game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> yeah, yes, the Cowboys absolutely have more to lose. And that's, I think, the part of the reason, too. Like, they need this game more. Um, all right. Any final thoughts, Jimmy? Hmm. Why don't you go? Do you have a final thought? Why don't you go? And I'll think of mine if I if I if I have. Mm. 
I don't think I do. Other than just check out our sponsors. We love. <laughs> we, both made the, we both made the same noise. <laughs> <laughs> I love our sponsors here at BGN Radio. I love our listeners. Uh, so, and we pick sponsors that the sponsors aren't just like, hey, like, here's some money. Promote whatever we want. You know, it's not it's like we we vet our sponsors. It's true. Jimmy and I went to Wrong Crowd Beer Company before we ever, you know, like agreed to a deal with them. We wanted to see what they were all about and try out their product before we endorsed it. So um, we don't stand by anything that we don't believe in. So and I always say the podcast is free. And if you can't, you know, afford anything, no worries. You know, it's here for you. That's great. But if you can and you like it and you want to help to keep the lights on, you know, keep us running here, then we appreciate it if you support our sponsors. So check out the episode show notes uh, where all the information for that is. All right. Why don't you bring us home, buddy? All right. Well, so you're seeding your final point. You don't. Have yeah, to... I'm, I'm going to I'm going to pass on my yeah, final I'm, point. I, I'm tired. We're both tired, I think, at this point in the season. <laughs> I got a lot to do. I got to fly to Dallas oh, tomorrow. Well, a lot, lot to do and not a lot of time to well, do Let's it. wrap up. This was BGN Radio. 371, as I mentioned, sponsor information, social media information, that's in the episode description. Check out bleedingyournation.com for my work and all the other BGN staff members who put out excellent content on the reg and phillyvoice.com for Jimmy's work. We'll be back with you after this Eagles-Cowboys game early next week. Good. Bye. Hopefully you're not furious, everybody. BGN more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.